Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic, starting now. Welcome to Exploring the Prophetic. And I love our podcast because we get to talk to people who are doing all kinds of different things from every walk of life, but they're doing it with their relationship with God. They're hearing God's voice. And he's positioning them really to have a measure of success. That's the secret sauce to their journey. It's, it's the thing that actually causes them to see people's lives change, their own life change, you know, different results in the world where some of it's about their career advancing or a ministry starting or something like that. And today we have Cheryl from PyHop, the Pasadena House President, the cutest name, PyHop. I love it. Cheryl Allen has been a friend for years. Cheryl's pioneered the Pasadena House of Prayer, and she was walking alongside the prayer movement that uh, would be more of the House of Prayer type movements with Mike Bickle in Kansas City and Lou Engel uh, from both California and Kansas City. And she was walking alongside strongly, helping Lou to plant a prayer ministry in California. And then she started something that was really on her own. She, she was kind of ambushed into it to do something that was spending her life and energy on this in a really unique way. And so many of you have heard about Houses of Prayers, but you may not have heard the backstory of why these things start. And especially Cheryl's, there's some, there's some story that I want to get out of her, some journey story. So many of you have heard about International Houses of Prayers or prayer movements, but you haven't really known about the people who are involved with these or start these. And so it's really good for you to have that connection. Also to hear why somebody would spend their life on prayer this way, be a prayer missionary, so to speak. I want to tell you a little bit about Cheryl Allen. And I also think you're going to love her story. But here's some of her bio. Cheryl Allen is a founder and director of Pasadena House of Prayer. They pray 16 hours a day, six days a week. They have over 100 churches represented through the weekly worship and prayer teams. 100 churches. That's crazy. Weekly Pi Hop offers prophetic inner healing and physical healing prayers for the body of Christ in LA and our mission community in the world. And this is so cool because they do classes, they do conferences, events, and they've really helped so many people who didn't have anywhere else to go to get moments of prayer to encounter God in such real and unique ways. I know you're going to love Cheryl. I know you're going to love why she birthed this ministry. And I can't wait to introduce you to her. Hey, my fellow explorers. We have a brand new book out, and if you've ever been given a word that you're a Joseph, an Esther, a Solomon, or a Daniel, you need to learn how to hear God the way that they did. You need to have that place inside of you that connects to God, that can believe for His solutions on the world today, and for His problem-solving ability, His wisdom, His strategy. And so we've written this book called Wired to Hear, and it's connecting God's voice to your career and place of influence. You are going to love this book. I want to encourage you to get it today. My friend Bob Hassan, who does Exploring the Marketplace with me and myself, wrote this to take you on a journey of how to succeed in your place of career with God's voice and with connection to Him. Visit Bowles Ministries today and look up Wired to Hear or go to any bookstore you know and you should be able to find Wired to Hear. But get it, review it, and share it with someone else. Well, I am here with my friend Cheryl Allen. And Cheryl, we haven't talked since the world turned upside down. <laughs> so, but I know like just people in my life are involved with what you're building here, but you lead the Pasadena House of Prayer. My favorite name, House of Prayer, and also my favorite House of Prayer in the nation, Pi Hop. 
And uh, it's just like, I don't even eat pie, but I like the name of it. But because <laughs> it's passive <laughs> near the House of Prayer. But uh, I want you to take us on the journey of just your life before we go to the House of Prayer. Just how did you get involved with ministry? How did you decide to go that direction? Uh, thanks for asking. And thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. That's an interesting <laughs> question. Um, you know, I'll just share just a tiny bit about the prophetic. Um, I was hungry for the voice of God, raised a Presbyterian, didn't know God spoke. And then when I found out through the vineyard movement that he spoke, I was hungry. I wanted wow. to develop in the prophetic. So I found these women that would prophesy from like 10 in the morning till 10 at night, you wow. know, and like we would eat lunch and breakfast and, and dinner together. And like, we would just go for it. And they were way more seasoned than I, and I just exponentially grew in the voice of the Lord, um, like after three months. And so I was just hooked by then. And then the Lord led me to eventually through Lou Engle, he hired me to do house of prayer midnight to two. Um, for the, the first fun three hours. years, the fun hours. those are like the hours that <laughs> maybe like two homeless people come, the people who yeah, don't exactly. find any worship team, you know, like they all come and help you. And it's like, you look around and you go, Oh, I, I did night watch in Kansas city. So I remember the first couple of years was, of that stinks. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was amazing though. It was like a fast. I love sleep. Like I love sleep so much. And so like to do midnight to two is really disrupting. Oh, and man. I was an elementary school teacher by day. So I worked oh, at LA wow. Unified by day. Oh, and so, God. but that's how I was kind of baptized into ministry, doing ministry. Um, wow. Yeah. And then little did I know, we thought Lou Engle was going to leave the house of prayer. I thought I was just helping him for a minute and then I would move on to other things. And yet... He's like, it didn't work out that way. So I so, ended up. Just so our audience gets kind of a viewpoint of that. How many years ago was that? Or how many? That was, oh, that's a lot, long time ago. It was 20, yeah. it was 20, yeah, oh, 2001, 2001 yeah. to 2003. I mean, that's a long time ago. That, so you've been doing the House of Prayer ever since then, which is a long time to stay in the movement because I know House of Prayer people, including myself, I was in it for a few years. So most people might dip their toes in it or just go to a prayer meeting every week, but to be dedicated, really the level that you have and a lot of your team has is just astounding in our generation. And I think, of course, God's going to send more people into it, but so let's, let's keep going on the journey. So you were, so Lou Engel kind of drafted you in, and then you actually really were the one who birthed the iteration that it is today. And what was that like in Los Angeles, one of the culture cities of the world to say, we're going to do prayer for I think at the time it was several hours a day. Now it's 16 hours a day. What was that like? Yeah, I think from the very beginning, like the Lord was really in it. And like I was being given dreams. Like in 2002, wow. he gave me five dreams and five nights. He said, I'm going to give you five dreams and five nights. And these will be the blueprints of this house of prayer. Again, I thought Lou was going to lead it. So I gave it to him. But there began to be such a profound prophetic history from the very beginning that I could have probably moved to Kansas City when it looked like, oh, Lou's not going to lead this. Maybe I should just move. But the Lord made it so clear that he wanted one here and that I needed to do it here. Like my calling wasn't just house of prayer. My calling was a geography and that he wanted me to be in this geography. 
Well, one of the unique things about your leadership is that in the house of prayer, one of the things that I really loved and enjoyed about it is that there's prophetic teams and healing teams, and you guys do all kinds of outreach. And there's, it's, it's not just been like a traditional, we're going to pray 24 seven or something. It's been like a community of people from hundreds of churches locally that band together for missions and also for prayer. And it's so, I, that's why it's one of my favorite house of prayers, if not my favorite house of prayer, because you guys, I mean, you have rooms where people from all over the city have come for nights to get prophetic prayer or to get healing prayer where there was nowhere else to go. There was no healing rooms. I don't know if there still is other than what you guys do. There was, there's not consistency in those themes of even a lot of the charismatic churches here don't really practice the charismatic gifts regularly. So the fact that people could go somewhere where they could, and they could actually get that breakthrough, get that restoration. How do you think you got like the prototype or not just because you decided not to go the traditional IHOP route and you said, yeah. we're going to go after what God's shown us. Like how, how did that happen? Oh, that's an amazing question. So um, in 2003, I just happened to be reading Psalm 147. And there's a part where it says, I know just happened to be reading it. And and it was, it said, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers his outcasts there. And that reminded me of Isaiah 56, seven. So I wrote it in the margin, like Isaiah 56, seven. And when I wrote it, that's the house of prayer scripture, just in case people don't know, like my house is called the house of prayer, but he, he says, I'll gather outcasts there. And then, um, I was like, oh, there's an order, five, six, seven. And the Lord just jumped on it. And he said, yes, and this is your order. He's like, kangaroos can only exist in a certain, you know, ecosystem. They can't live in rainforests. They can't live in like other types of ecosystems. He said, same with houses of prayer. You can't do it just like another one because- Your geography requires it for it to be built a certain way. And the first thing was heal the brokenhearted, bind up their wounds. And then the next one was about the prophetic. He counts the stars. He knows them all by name. So that's why we followed a totally different blueprint. People would come from Kansas City and be like, you're never going to have a house of prayer if you keep focusing on all these other things. But the Lord was so clear with us. Like, no, you have to follow this order if you want to have a house of prayer. Well, and I know LA is a progressive city, so there's other women ministers, but not a lot. And you're single. And, and I mean, like you've really, (laughs) you've, as a woman who said, I'm going to fight for a different model and I'm building something, you kind of have this apostolic bent to you where you build a lot of different things. Um, How, because I think there's other people who are listening who are probably women or champions of women. How do you think just your role as a woman has been as a pioneer woman? has been, and then also talk to maybe young women who are pioneering or believing that they're supposed to start something. Yeah, I would have never signed up for it. I was like, God, and it's even to the <laughs> to so this honest. day, yeah. no, I would have never signed up for it. I mean, I was like, God, if you had a man who is married right now doing my role, this thing would be flourishing way more than it is right now. And I was like, why, why are you picking me? And um, from the very beginning, like, around 2005, I wanted to move to Kansas City. I was like, it's really hard. This is so difficult. And um, he gave me a dream. And this is kind of what has kept me continuing Mm. to lead. And in the dream, I was graduating from college again. And instead of getting a diploma, I got a passport. And um, 
I tried to get on buses, trains, like every way I could try to get to Kansas. Nobody would let me on. I even tried to hitchhike. Nobody would let me in. And so then I was like, you know what? I'll, um, I'll go out to eat with my parents. And then my dad gave me a 1942 baseball and it was signed by mm. Mike Bickle and it was signed by Rick Joyner. And oh, wow. I was like, how did you get this? And you know, I'm tall. You can't see it right now, but I'm tall. So we're basketball people. I mean, it's weird that my dad would give me a ball, but specifically a baseball. And so, um, I wake up from the dream and I look up 1942 baseball and I can't figure out anything special. A few days later, the Holy Spirit said, look up 1942 women's baseball. And that was the year the men went to war because of Pearl Harbor in December of 1941. So all the women were put in the major leagues. And so um, he's like, you don't endorse your leadership, but I do. And there's many behind you that will need you as an example so that they will have courage to go forward. And so oh, full body chills right now. That's so cool. <laughs> so it became, it just was like, I, I had the Lord's endorsement. And so then I was like, okay, because it was hard for me. I wanted to give this thing away. I would always look for able-bodied men I mean, and be like, that's here, so powerful here. because I think like, I think people don't, don't know the price and the cost and they don't understand like, you go to a ministerial alliance meeting and there's probably you and one other woman the whole time. And there's certain, there's been chauvinism and there's been certain ways that men have been just out of default, not because they have bad hearts or because mm-hmm. but the training and because of just the, the environment. And I wouldn't say they're inherently mean to be misogynistic, but at times you're left out of the golf tournament or you're left out of whatever they're doing, or you're left Bro out of time. You bring an yeah. idea up to, and they're looking at you like, why did we don't care about that? <laughs> like there's those, and that's just one aspect, you know, via many aspects. But what I think is really profound is how God chooses to use people who are not the strength of the system because he uses the weakest to shame the strong. And you've been to me, one of the strongest women I know. So you, you're not weak in any, any aspect when I say it, but he's using you in the sense of being a single woman to do something that's different than a married man could accomplish. Who's a white, older, 55 year old married man who could, you know, like has three kids and two of them are in college and whatever. It's like, he's used you and he's used it because you have a, a, a spirit of breakthrough. And I say that I'm highlighting you that way because I think there's many people who are listening and they're like, why are you choosing me, God? And they just keep saying yes to God. Mm-hmm. And we can't have a God result unless we have a God process. And you're allowing this God process that's caused literally so much impact now for longevity. And so, you know, we're dealing with a long decades, you know, worth of ministry. So I just commend you. I just, I'm so grateful for you and I'm so grateful for those dreams, but we got, we have some, some more stories I want to hear from. And I, I'm glad I asked the woman question because people need to hear it. Like I try to give it away. I tried to, mm-hmm. you know, I tried, but ultimately you came back to your yes, which I think is so profound. What do you think real fast um, that because a lot of people may not be familiar with Rick Joyner and Mike Bickle. Um, it's a house of prayer movement and a prophetic movement. Was that what, why they signed the ball? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I still, you know, it's interesting. It's so funny um, because we've had now way more baseball words throughout the years and specifically oh, wow. 42 because Jackie Robinson is from Pasadena and his number is 42. Oh, wow. And so we've had way more words about it, but 
Mike Bickle's um, initials are MLB, which is fun. Major League Baseball. Really <laughs> I just found that out last year, I think. And then, um, but I think, yeah, I think House of Prayer, it's like the priestly with the kingly. You know, it's, yeah, I think um, prophetic. That's with- really cool. And I love how it's a dream that God gave you. Like he's given you consistent dreams that have really planted your movement. How much have you been relying on those like kind of prophetic signposts to stay in? Oh, they're totally huge. I mean, I don't think pioneers can make it without them. You just, mm. cause the pressure is so much like there's always this sense. Like I just remember having to trust God for our paychecks every month. I mean, that's yeah. so difficult. I hate that terrain. And yet because there's been such clear, like, I know that I know that God has spoken, this is in his heart, that I won't give up. And so, I mean, the thread of 42 throughout our our particular history has been unbelievable. Like the passport part of that first stream, I mean, we've been able to see houses of prayer flourish throughout the world specifically in the Middle East, because of what he had us experience in planting um, a local house of prayer in a wow. cultural center and ways that they said, Kansas City's come, but we, they don't get it. They don't know how to build here. And I was like, wow, you've specifically bordered the Pacific. You can't make oh, wow. stuff like that up. You tried no. it. Yeah. I mean, talk about I mean, the signposts. And it's really interesting yeah, he, too that like because you're a cultural center, like we're as of the time of this recording, we're talking about Afghanistan, what's happening with Afghanistan. And you have an Afghanistan missionary family, and one of them is on staff at the House of Prayer there. And like, so you guys, a lot of events that happen, you guys end up in a front row seat because we do live in LA. You have someone involved, someone who's connected. And so you guys immediately are mobilized differently than when you're in a, uh, maybe a different state that's not in a cultural center. And that's happened consistently to you guys. You also, there's a lot of church plants that have started. And even w- at one point we lost our building as a church when I was pastoring and you guys were like, opened up your building, you know, said, why don't you come meet here on Tuesday nights, which was huge for us. Even though it was way outside the geography we normally met, it's actually mm-hmm. what caused that church plant to end up being on that side of the city. Now they're in Glendale because you guys opened it up and we never thought we can go that far and thrive. And we actually ended up finding a great community of moms and dads because we went out that way. And then we're one of many ministries that have been, you guys have not only um, been a resource center for for the, the church communities and for people for prayer and all these things, but you've also given extravagantly to the nations and also to our city, which is to me, again, it's a unique position when you're in a house of prayer and you're not just praying, but you're saying, we're going to do something where we're going to give back. We're going to be a resource center. Was that always a part of the vision of it or did it just, did you stumble into it? Yeah, that was always part of the vision. Um, I grew up in church, but never like uh, most of the kids I went to school, I grew up in Orange County. Most of the kids I went to school, they were Christian too. So like, I never thought, oh, you got to come to my church, you know, or like, whatever, like, let me get you over here. Like if they were part of the church, I was like, cool, you know? And so I just have always had a heart of loving the whole body. And so when I saw the model of House of Prayer, initially Kansas City, they didn't want to be a local church. And they were like, we want to serve the body of Christ. I just was like, yes, that is so what that's so in my heart. Yeah. Now they've become a local church. Um, and there was reasons for that, but I've like stood the ground. I've had so many people counsel me, like, you'll get more money if you just 
open up on Sundays. And I'm like, <laughs> that, that's not the point. Like, I really want to be a place where unity happens, where the body is resourced and where people, you know, like the upper room where they were all together in one place and praying and worshiping. Oh, that's so cool. It reminds me of one of the conversations we had years ago, and it was right when you guys kind of entered into your first season of really thriving. Like, it's like the vision was set, the foundation was set, and things were just popping. And I remember having this, like, we're at dinner, and I remember having this, like, really candid conversation. Like, and I'm thinking, like, I mean, how does this feel? Everything's going so incredible. This is so, and you looked at me, and you started laughing. You said, I don't know if you remember this. You're, you're like, I don't know why God did this when I'm single still and I'm, I'm tired and I'm run out of all my energy and everything that he's prophesied and promised is happening, but it's all him because I have zero energy for it at all. Like I'm just holding on. And I remember when you said that it, it, it just so, I, I was one of those Holy Spirit check marks. Like remember when Cheryl said this, and I've sat down with so many people who entered into that, entered into the thing where it's like, I ran out of myself, but I ran into God, mm -hmm. but then I had another level as a mature believer of dependence that he's going to give me a sustaining energy to do this. When I've run out, if he did this when I was in my twenties, I would have been fine, but he did it now when I'm like, <laughs> really, really now God. Okay. <laughs> but not negative really, but just kind of like, I'm just shocked. And it really ministered to me for where I've, I was at right after that. And it ministered to a lot of our friends. I was like, you know, Cheryl said, <laughs> but it was like that vulnerability actually helped me to go, you know what, when I'm running out of strength, that's when God's going to be the biggest. You know, because it's his strength. He he builds us. Do you remember that time at all? Oh, for sure. And he told, yeah, I totally do. And I remember like, he wants all the glory. So he, yeah. I, I had this one time when I, I woke up from a, it was from a dream. And, um, but he was, he started singing to me the song. Do you have to let it linger? Do you have to let it linger? Mm. I want you wrapped around my little finger. And he's like, I always give vision and then let it linger. Cause wow. I want you wrapped around my little finger. And he's like, read the whole book. I've always done it this way. Waiting so is it guarantees human weakness and I can only exalt the humble. And he's like, I will make you so weak and so dependent wow. on me. And, um, I think that's a good explanation of like, he wants all the glory. And I just, <laughs> it, it's crazy because that word, um, waiting, it actually in the Hebrew means to be entwined like a rope. Oh, wow. And I'm like, nailed it. Like God yeah. used a song from our culture and like described why he makes us wait and then what it does to us. Oh, wow. That's, and it's so true. Even in this season right now where we're, looking at the weirdest world events in, in modern history. In the last hundred years, we haven't had pandemics like this and uh, natural disasters and all these things are happening, which is really birth pains. I mean, I love Hebrews 12 where it says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Mm. But those who stand on Christ will stand type thing. It's like, you know, his, he won't be shaken. The kingdom won't be shaken. And uh, when you're building the way you are, like talk about some of the stuff you guys are building in the now. Like, what are you guys seeing for the now? Yeah, that's so good. Um, well, part of what we're seeing right now is um, the idea of um, discipleship through prayer and wow. um, wanting people like as they come into Christ, like as they are baptized into knowing Jesus, that this is just a natural part of their expression. So providing avenues for people to be discipled straight out of um, 
accepting Christ and creating small communities for that. I think in the midst of the pandemic, we've seen like big isn't always great. Like small is really wonderful um, because it's kind of under the radar. And so I am just creating community out of that. Um, Something that's been touching my heart is the idea of like praying church communities, like, um, cause right now praying church is about like an existing church becoming a praying church. But what about if we planted little communities and it's not like church? Well, it is a church. It's just not the way we think of it. So yeah. that's something that's right now fresh. Um, yeah, I have a long history of the Lord talking to me about it, but kind of hesitant. Like, when do you want this to happen? I feel like the pandemic has kind of pushed it ahead. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, and then- I was just contacted by our producer at uh, TBN. I'm doing a bunch of TBN stuff. And and they were talking about, we're going to be doing some praise episodes, which is the, the kind of their staple show. And so we're doing like one a month. And they were talking about, we want you to lead in some of the trending Christian themes. And one of the, they said, when you, when you look at what's trending on Google for Christianity, it's does prayer work. That was the number one. Huh. Which is really, or it's number one or number two, but it's like in the number one or number two. And they said, can you can you kind of talk to our the audience about like when they think about Christianity, they're wondering, do my prayers actually have impact and power? And it's a one-on-one, but at the same time, when you talk to most mature believers, because we do prayer appointments all the time as a team. We have a bunch of our prophetic team members and some of them go to the house of prayer there. And and almost everybody who's asking for prayer right now is a mature believer who's like, I haven't seen prayers answered in so long. We've had that over and over and over. Like my prayers are not being answered. Like I've had long-term prayers for my children, over my finances, over my whatever. And then the pandemic hits and I'm, I'm just buried. Like, and we've, so we've been doing a lot of compassion, empathy prayer, because it's like people are not praying targeted ways that is in communication or connection the way they could, or they just adjusted a little bit. And so I love that even that you're talking about that because praying communities, it's the most, it's the most secret soft thing we have is not just doing acts of compassion as a community, but actually meeting with God together, you know, and there's all kinds of biblical ways to do that. And I love that you guys are an example. So I just wanted to give some commentary on that because I'm about to do a show on one of the themes will be on does prayer actually work today? And what does that look like? Or is it just all ethereal? Is it making wishes on our Christmas list? Or is it actually we're talking to God and things happen? I'm going to throw something in there. I mean, there's certain like, like there's certain things that God isn't, they have like a time stamp on them and they aren't going to happen right away. And you can pray all you want. You can put God in a chokehold, but they're not happening right away. But then there's things that God's answering tomorrow. And so I've just really encouraged people. If your prayer life is made up of only things that are time stamped, you're going to get discouraged. So ask yeah. the Lord, God, what are you answering tomorrow? What are you answering this week? I want to wow. join you in that. It's really helpful. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm going to do that right when we get off this call. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It gives you faith. Yeah. It gives you. Yeah. Well, we have a few more minutes. Uh, we're okay, running out of, out of minutes. And I want to just make sure that everybody who's listening, number one, gets emboldened just by your journey as far as, you know, starting a ministry in a time, getting ambushed by God into it, being a woman, being a, a voice in a city cultural center. Like I'm hoping other people who are need courage, hear your story and go, I can do this. I can follow God too. I can say yes to, and a long-term yes. Like I can keep saying yes. Even when it's hard, I can keep saying yes. So that's one point I'm hoping everybody gets. And number two is 
um, if somebody wants to be involved with the House of Prayer, uh, even if it's Pi Hop, if they're here locally in Los Angeles area or anywhere in, in Southern California, what what would you encourage them as far? Because some people may have been a part of something a long time ago when things first started somewhere in their little city. And they, they that may have been like, oh, I, I went through that already. I did that already a little bit. But how would you re-engage people to be a part of a prayer movement or a house of prayer? Yeah, I would just say um, his house is a house of prayer. So it's something that we don't escape. And the uniqueness of Pi Hop, again, is that you're engaging with the body of Christ. You're not coming into like a congregation. You're engaging with Jesus. And so just mm-hmm. encourage you and with, with alongside um, the body of Christ people who have yeah. like hearts, who desire, you know, to live passionate lives. The other thing I would just encourage is like, we have so many avenues, like praying for healing, pre- prophesying, praying yeah. for, um, like we even do like a quiet prayer where no words are expressed. You just touch. And like, we have so many different avenues that aren't always expressed in house, house of prayer communities that you could be involved in. That's awesome. And then how, how do people who aren't from LA area get involved with Pie Hop? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously in the midst of the present age, like we have so much on Zoom, we have so much mm-hmm. online. Yeah, so easy to engage and you can just go to piehop.com. Well, thank you, Cheryl, so much for everything you built and that you're still building. And I just know there's people who they're going to hear, I could feel it in the spirit. There's people going to hear this and be like, that's the example. She's my signpost. She's my example. I needed to keep saying yes and to keep going. And I so appreciate that, that story. Your story is a story of faithfulness and obedience, and it's obvious. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me and may God touch people. Awesome. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transiting God Mentoring, where you receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.